Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Good afternoon. Welcome back. I'm Greg Scordis filling in for Boyd Matheson. Uh, we're talking this afternoon about a case that uh, I just read about that the Salt Lake County District Attorney has been looking at for almost two years. Now, spirit of full disclosure. Um, I am an attorney uh, that represents uh, two of the largest police unions in the state. I get called out regularly uh, for officer-involved shootings, and so I just want that backdrop before I start. But let me tell you about one that I'm not involved in, uh, but that's concerning, I think, from both sides. I mean, it's just everyone has some interest in this case. It's a shooting that occurred, a fatal shooting by a police officer that occurred August 23rd of 2019. So we're talking about almost two years ago. And let me just set the stage a little bit. Uh, Police officers get a call from a a woman, a girl, that has been um, uh, concerned about her boyfriend. uh, And she's concerned that he's got uh, uh, problems, that he's intoxicated. And they go to her work and they interview her. I got a phone call from him while I was here and he told me it took like eight or nine pills. Yeah, that's a lot. and then that yeah. um, he was gonna die. So you, you he was trying to hurt himself or anything like that? Yeah, no, he just—it seems like he just wants to commit suicide. Do you think that's what he's trying to do? Did he say that to you at all? No, he just said that he took all those pills to die. Important lead-in to the dealings of with this man by the police officers. They interview his girlfriend. He, she says he's intoxicated. He's He's been drinking. He smells strongly of alcohol. And she says he took eight or nine pills. She doesn't say what those are and that he was going to die soon. Officers say, did he uh, was he trying to hurt himself? And she says, no, he seemed like he wanted to commit suicide. That's an important consideration in some other things that we're going to talk about. So police wrapped him up. They took him into custody and um, they were booking him really just on a drunk driving charge, because at the time, that's really all they had. Uh, But when they started talking to him, he asked if he could go to uni, which is the University Neuropsychiatric Institute. And here's the dialogue with the officer that followed that conversation. I want to go to uni. Uni? Yeah. Maybe maybe we can go to uni after jail. Let me tell you this right now, okay? I'm not going to sit here all night and play games with you. You've already wasted our fire department's time by having them come out. I'm not taking you to uni. I'm taking you to jail. That's where you're going. Okay? So that officer who's got, um, and we're talking about um, Tyler Long, or excuse me, Brian Holt is the name of the the, the deceased, the, the 
the person that was arrested, uh, Longman is the name of the officer. Uh, he's got Brian Holt in custody. Brian Holt says, I want to go to uni. Um, he's by all accounts at that point suicidal. He's by all accounts at that point just loaded out of his head, both on, on alcohol and apparently, according to his girlfriend from the earlier soundbite, uh, drugs. And he says, I want to go to uni. I, I need some help is what he's saying. The officer says, I'm not going to sit here and play games with you. You've already wasted our fire department's time. I assume that they must have had medics arrive because of his level of intoxication to determine whether he was safe or he was going to harm himself or he was a danger. Um, and he says, I'm not taking you to uni. I'm taking you to jail. So they did take him to jail. They took Mr. Breinhold to uh Actually, it was, looks like a holding from the video that I've seen here, a holding area at the West Valley City Police Department where they take individuals um, charged with DUI. There's the, usually the, the breathalyzer machine there, and they're interviewing him there, and a scuffle ensues. Now, this is a really weird conversation because uh, we know that he's somewhat suicidal at that point, and he starts making comments to the officers about... Um, about a gun. He tells the officers, I, I've got a gun in my shoe. And they say, well, no, you don't. Well, I've got a gun in my pocket. Well, no, you don't. Well, I've got a gun under my seat. Well, no, you don't. And they're just, they're just, because he's not telling the truth. He's not, he's not being honest about what's going on. Uh, but at one point he actually reaches for and apparently gets his hands on the officer who is booking him in and who's dealing with him. He gets his hands on that officer's gun Another officer arrives, the officer that, that fatally shot him, and and responds. And this is that response. He's gone, he's gone! You're about to die, my friend! I killed him! He's got my gun, according to one officer. Longman, the officer who's under investigation for the shooting, walks in and says, and who knows why he said this, you're about to die, my friend. The other officer says, please let go of it, and then there's a shooting. The the man died. Uh, he's been, uh, the matter's been under investigation now for two years. West Valley City conducted what they call um, an incident review, which is really an internal affairs interview. They determined that Officer Longman, the one that fired, fired the fatal shot, uh, did not violate policy. And so a lot of times when these cases drag on, when there's a one or two year investigation into a police shooting, uh, the officer's placed on administrative leave. He's back at work because West Valley City, his his employer has cleared him and they decided that he did follow a standard protocol. Now, this case has been under investigation by the district attorney's office for almost two years. It's the current second longest uh, case that's been under investigation and two years is i think everyone would say is is too long um sim gill does a great job investigating officer involved shootings and i think every uh, uh, uh county attorney in the state uh, tries to do a very good job and, and i think my experience is that they do uh, that they all do a very good job but this case has taken an exorbitantly long time we don't know why um the officer from the video it's clear that the that the deceased was handcuffed. He's handcuffed behind his back. He's in police custody. How he attempted to grab the gun, I guess, remains to be seen. But certainly if he did grab a gun from a police officer, then the other officer under current law is justified in using force, including deadly force, uh, to the extent that it's necessary to present, prevent um, 
this uh, Brian Holt from uh, causing the death or bodily injury of another officer. Um, but the, but the, the victim's family is upset because he was handcuffed behind his back. He wasn't a threat to officers. And he was, by all accounts, um, just so intoxicated that it was hard um, uh, for, for to, to t- really take him seriously and, and, and sort of look at what he was really trying to do. On the other hand, we all know, those of us that are involved in officer-involved shootings and have investigated these, and I investigated them when I was at the district attorney's office, they're, they're just heartbreaking. But a lot of those are the result of, of, of a, a concept that, that I just hate to use, but, but it's what we all call suicide by cop. We know that he, this man uh, was apparently suicidal, according to his own girlfriend. Uh, he didn't want to go to jail. He requested psychiatric help. He he lied to the officers repeatedly about him having a gun and then grabbed for a gun, all of which point, I believe, very seriously in in favor of the fact that he was trying to, to commit suicide. And, and in this case, unfortunately, suicide by cop. Was that the case or was this a man, as according to his family, his family's attorney, uh, who just was trying to get help and was doing whatever he could to cry out for that help. And instead of getting the help, he's handcuffed, he's shackled, he's taken to the police department, and over his own desires, uh, he's uh, on his way to jail instead of the University Neuropsychiatric Institute. Another factor is that this officer, and, and you can go an entire career, and most officers go their entire career without drawing their weapon, or at least without discharging their weapon. This officer, the one that's involved in this situation, it's not his first shooting. It's not his first fatal shooting. It's not his second. It was his third. And in Utah, I think there have been just a handful of officers who have been involved in three uh, shootings during their career. This is something that uh, maybe it's just pure happenstance, but it's certainly a, it certainly raises some questions about why the officer did what he did and and um, how how he reacted to the situation. Um, he's got his own prior history of being involved in shootings, and he's got an individual there who probably grabbed for a gun or at least tried to, and um, was suicidal. Uh, interesting case. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll be uh, we'll be back in about two minutes, and we're going to have an announcement about a Garth Brooks concert. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.